There's just so much more to hear. Download our podcasts at DubaiEye1038.com. It's 25 to 6. You're listening to Drive Live with Emma Brain and Natalie Lindo Taylor. We're joined in the studio by Robbie Greenfield. Robbie, very good to see you. You too, NLT. All good? Yeah. Did you have a good break? I had a lovely break. Thank you very much. And yourself? Yes, I had a lovely break too. You were here on Monday, though. I heard you do Monday night football. We we just couldn't. We you know we yeah. couldn't say no to Monday too night football. Too much to talk about. Exactly. Yeah. So too we much just, to talk we, about. We, despite the option of not doing it, we just came in and did it regardless. And uh, and Sean O'Shea was keen to step into the breach. But Chris McCarty is back. For all of those of you who have missed Chris's Scottish tones <laughs> over the last couple of weeks, he is back in the house tomorrow and Chris and I will be doing Monday Night Football tomorrow night as per normal. Dream team back together. So Robbie, lots of sport happened over the weekend. Also lots of sport happening today. Right now, I guess F1 is the place we need to go to first. Yeah, and it's all go and all happening over at Belgium in Spa for the Belgian Grand Prix. This is the return of F1 following that summer hiatus and it's all happening over there on the circuit. Uh, The big news thus far is that uh, Fernando Alonso last Belgian Grand Prix has ended in disaster. He has crashed out. He was taken out by Nico Hülkenberg. He was lucky to walk away unscathed, was the Spaniard, the two-time former champion. Charles Leclerc of the Sauber team was also caught up in the crash. This all happened on the first lap. That's crazy. And uh, three drivers, three cars taken out on this first lap. Disaster for Fernando Alonso, who will have been looking to, to you know, bow out with some degree of credibility and respect in his final season. Uh, the, the fact he's not in a competitive car is unfortunately hampering him badly, but uh, that brought the safety car out and it also gave Sebastian Vettel, who started alongside Lewis Hamilton on the front row, the chance to overtake Hamilton. Hamilton had grabbed that pole position in the wet conditions during yesterday's qualifying in torrential rain. We know what a great driver he is in the wet. In the dry, Ferrari had been faster in practice and that looks like it's really telling in the race. We're on the ninth lap of 44, so there was a big delay with the safety car out for five Mm. laps. I'm just reading as well that Kimi Raikkonen has been forced out of the race. So it's all happening over in Belgium. Uh, Lewis, uh, Lewis Hamilton has surrendered that first position to Sebastian Vettel and that makes the title, if Sebastian Vettel can go on and win this race at the Belgium Grand Prix, that little bit more interesting and intriguing given the fact that Hamilton did open up a, a bit of an advantage going into the summer break. So for neutrals, I think we'll want to see Sebastian Vettel grab a win here and make things, tighten things up at the top of the championship table. But of course, uh, Lewis Hamilton fans will be hoping that their man can come back into it. We'll keep an eye on that one. Everything happening over there in Belgium at the moment. Alonso out, Hulkenberg out and uh, Raikkonen, Kimi Raikkonen, the Ferrari driver, also out. I'm also reading that Max Verstappen has overtaken uh, uh, Sebastian Ocon of uh, Force India Uh, and um, he's got himself up into fourth position. Okay, we're just into the second half of Watford Crystal Palace over in the EPL too. Yes, we are. It's nil-nil between uh, Palace and uh, Watford and Palace, I should say, and a pretty even game thus far. In terms of possession, pretty much 50-50. Watford have had the livelier chances, the more chances. They've had eight shots to Palace's four. The home side could have taken the lead through Pereira. They might have taken the lead through Troy Deeney as well. So far, they've been denied. Ben Foster's looked pretty good in the Watford goal, keeping the likes of Wilfred Zaha at bay. But it is Watford nil, Crystal Palace nil in the early game. And we can look forward to live and uninterrupted commentary, NLT, of the live 7pm game directly after Mm. this show.
It is Newcastle taking on Chelsea. The backdrop to this one is that Rafa Benitez has called for the fans to support the club at St James's Park in this match. The disgruntlement, the dissatisfaction mm. held by the fans over the ownership of Mike Ashley is rumbling on into this season. The way the club has really meandered through the transfer window as well. No one really seems to be happy at St James's Park. Newcastle taking a solitary point in that opening two games. Chelsea, meanwhile, looked reinvigorated under their new manager, Maurizio Sarri. He, of course, came in for Antonio Conte, who really had a season to forget last year in which basically he seemed to be at war with most of the players, players. and certainly the owners, certainly Roman Abramovich, for the duration of the season. And then the, the actual parting of the ways between Chelsea and Antonio Conte was dragged out seemingly completely unnecessarily over the course of four or five months to the point where Conte came back and actually resumed pre-season training with them. It was, it was absolutely, for, for, a, for a club that has been ruthless in its, yeah. in its, in its, in its trigger-happy approach to getting rid of managers in the past, this was incredibly uh, sort of um, procrastinating yeah. from, uh, from Roman Abramovich. But as has happened, Willian has come out and said, if it weren't for the managerial switch, I'd have had to leave. We've also heard in the in the recent couple of days that Chelsea's David Luiz has also seconded that opinion and we can listen to uh, his thoughts now. He would have been forced out of Stamford Bridge had Maurizio Sarri not come in and replaced Antonio Conte. Of course, the last season was not the best season for me inside the pitch, but also I learned a lot from outside the pitch as a person, as a man, everything. So it's always great to be inside the pitch and I'm so happy to play football. I never refuse to play one game. And what is the root of Maurizio Sarri's <laughs> popularity, NLT? Is it his tactics? Is it his jovial approach? It's, is it, uh, you know, is it his his, com- his comedic japes with the players during training? Apparently not. It's my nemesis. It is down to the fact that the Italian has reportedly reinstated ketchup in the player canteen. They are this professional. So out of the pitch, I think uh, they are able to... To eat in the right way, to rest in the right way. Uh, I don't want to impose uh, anything. So there you have it. Uh, that is the secret to managerial success. Just keep the ketchup flowing in the canteen and you'll keep the likes of Eden Hazard, David Luiz and N'Golo Kante happy. I hate ketchup. Me too. I- I'm, not a big, I'm not a huge fan either. But, I mean, obviously, if you want to keep the lads happy, you've got to give them what they <laughs> exactly, want, right? Exactly, yeah. These are finely honed athletes. And, uh, in fact, I'm just seeing quickly, as we divert away from that very quickly, Watford have taken the lead over Crystal Palace. The second half has just gotten underway, 52 minutes on the clock. And Roberto Pereira, who had that great chance in the first half, he has given Watford the lead. We will tell you exactly how he has given Watford the lead in just a moment. But going back to Chelsea, uh, there's no there's no denying that uh, Maurizio Sarri has had an incredible impact in in the or at least a very positive impact in the opening couple of games in charge. And mm. he seems to he seems to have brought an energy and a, an enthusiasm to play football to Chelsea yeah. that was really lacking last season. They were a very workmanlike team. They weren't particularly easy on the eye last season. Nothing, Take nothing away from Antonio Conte's achievement of winning the league with them the season before that, but there's no doubt that he'd lost the dressing room in that season that's just, just gone. And, and uh, Maurizio Sarri, famed for his very expansive and quite attack-minded approach at Napoli. Uh, he drew a lot of praise from none other than Pep Guardiola in that respect. He's starting to get Chelsea playing a little bit more adventurously. And 
I think the players are enjoying that. I certainly think the supporters are enjoying that. And it wouldn't surprise me if Chelsea were able to go to St. James's Park and get a result in that 7pm game. But you can listen to it live and uninterrupted right here on uh, Dubai 103.8. And if we look back quickly, NLT, mm. to the action that took place yesterday in the Premier League, the, the eye-catching headline, I think, or the, the, the result that stands out was Man City and their failure to beat Wolves. Wolves took it to them at Molyneux. Mm. Most teams that try and play toe-to-toe with the champions end up getting a bit of a hiding. That was not the case with Wolves. They took the lead through Willy Bowley. Ultimately, a goal that involved a, a wee bit of a hand, it wasn't quite Diego Maradona, but it was enough of a, a prod with the hand to ultimately, had that been on VAR, that would have been scrubbed out instantaneously. Yeah. And I've got to say, the penalty shout that Manchester City had, if this would have taken place in the World Cup, that would have been, you know, finger pointing to the spot instantaneously. Instead, given the fact this is the Premier League and you don't really give soft penalties in the Premier League, it was waved away nonchalantly and Man City were forced to equalise through Americ Laporte nodding in from an Ilki Gundogan cross. But uh, Pep Guardiola, in all fairness to him, did not dwell on those bad and some might say unlucky decisions that uh, that went against his team. In fact, he welcomed the challenge provided by Wolves. So the other managers decide because they know the team, they know the players, they saw our games and decide to play in that way. I think for the spectators today here in the stadium and everybody in TV, enjoy because they had chances, we had chances. And I think for the Premier League is good. So Wolves already making an impact in the Premier League, newly promoted from the Championship. They won that division last season. Mm. A lot was expected of them. That being said, there was also a lot of rumours surrounding some of their best players like Ruben Neves, whether he would make a big money move to a a bigger club in the Premier League. They've managed to retain him and certain other key players as well. Jao Moutinho was retained as well. And uh, Wolves mean business in in the league under their boss uh, Nuno Espirito Santo. Is that potentially the best-named manager yeah, in the awesome. division? Uh, so uh, all Up things... Up there as a contender anyway. Certainly. Yeah. So Wolves looking like they might be, not, not contenders, I'm not going to say that, but certainly not battling relegation this season if they can continue playing like they did yesterday. But uh, as for Liverpool, they are top of the league. Three wins out of three. The only team to do so thus far in the division. It was a 1-0 win over Brighton. Guess who scored it? No idea. Mohamed Salah. Surprise, surprise. 32 goals last season and he's back on the score sheet for Liverpool this season. Jurgen Klopp, however, says there is still room for improvement. The boys changed a little bit and it was not the the best idea, let me say like this. So we we, we didn't show the same patience anymore um, to play around. So it was immediately the start was a bit more open, looked like a more open game. Absolutely no need for that. So that is the Premier League. That gets you up to speed there. Other footballing news. Cristiano Ronaldo made his home debut for Juventus in a 2-0 win over Lazio. But Pjanic and Mandzukic were the the scorers. And you've got to wonder, if Cristiano Ronaldo is not on the score sheet, is it a good day? No. Probably not, right? No. He needs to be grabbing the headlines. He needs to be the centre of attention. Look. Lucky for him he didn't take out of, uh, an advert in the paper saying you're welcome, Yes, not it? <laughs> People would have been sorely disappointed at this stage. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic, I think, was on target for, uh, for LA Galaxy as well. Um, speaking of... Uh somewhat self-aggrandizing adverts in the LA Times. But uh, Cristiano Ronaldo had a slow start last season at Real Madrid and, and finished, of course, in, uh, in a blaze of glory. And I would not be surprised to see him get, get quickly on the, off the mark for mm. Juventus. He'll be desperate to do so. 
because uh, it's important. That first goal for a new club, he'll be desperate to get on the score sheet. You can guarantee if they win a penalty that he'll be stepping up to take it. But uh, that was over in Italy. We saw a win for Barcelona. VAR, of course, is being used on the continent and, and was used to some effect in last night's match between Barcelona. I never get the pronunciation of this team right. Real Valladolid. They are newly promoted. That is a real mouthful, that we'll one. Get, um, Real Valladolid. We'll get um, Maria to come in and help yes, us. Yes, yes, potentially. You can guarantee I've got that one wrong. But it was only an Usmane Dembele goal that separated the two teams. Valladolid, Valladolid, <laughs> I'm not even, RV, got promoted <laughs> into La Liga last season. And Barcelona, of course, the hot favourites to win yet another domestic title in uh, the Spanish La Liga. Usmane Dembele, the winner, but they did have a penalty and a goal. Um, Valladolid, Valladolid <laughs> did have a, have a goal ruled for offside uh, thanks to VAR. So it's interesting to see what impact that will have over in La Liga this season. And just a final note on Spain and, and Spanish football, Real Madrid manager Julian Lopetegui has come out and publicly added to the voices of dissent over this proposed match to take place in America. In, the, in, in America. He said he does not think it will happen. Now, apparently the players are up in arms. The club captains held uh, an emergency meeting to discuss this. Uh, Javier Tabas, the president of La Liga, announced, I think about 10 days ago, about a week, 10 days ago, that La Liga would play potentially as early as this season, certainly looking at next year, a fixture in the, US, uh, in the USA. And uh, a lot of people, a lot of fans, a lot of players are not happy with this decision. Clearly, they weren't consulted about it. And there's been a bit of a public uproar. So we will be getting more on that story on Monday Night Football when we speak to the Spanish football journalist, Alvaro Montero, who's based over in Madrid. Okay, uh, just a quick mention of our favourite sportswoman that we love to talk, talk about, Robbie, Serena Williams. Uh, hit the headlines over the cat soup. Yeah, well, uh, as the US Open prepares to get underway, the French Open have come in and somewhat stolen the thunder mm. of Flushing Meadows because they've announced that from 2019, the black cat suit, the superhero outfit that mm. Serena Williams wore when she competed in Roland Garros this year, will not be uh, permitted next year. It will be banned. They're going to a more traditional dress code for the French Open. And just when sports are, are lightening up and mm. not taking themselves quite so seriously, it seems almost perverse that the French Open would, would go in the other direction and, and take a more the, austere standpoint on did this. Did you see Nike's response yeah, to this? I did not know, actually. What is it? So they basically said, you, they put a picture of Serena in the cat suit up saying, you can take the superhero out of her costume, but you can never take away her superpowers. There you go. Well, Clever. Well said. Nike capitalising on that yeah. piece of news <laughs> yeah. for their own commercial gain. Good but to see. <laughs> very clever. Um, but it's interesting because I think, again, like you say, um, Flushing Meadows, the US Open is kind of a bit more of a relaxed affair. However, you know, I guess maybe the French Open looks at Wimbledon with its real strict rules and sort of says, well, do we want to be more relaxed like the US Open or do we want to be a bit more in the, you know... There's a degree of snobbery at, Wim at Wimbledon say, and, yeah. the, and the French Open. Yeah. You know, there's, there's no doubt about it. They, they, they have a very high opinion of themselves as events. The US Open don't take themselves anywhere nearly so seriously. They play music on the changeovers. We saw last year with their social media. Party time. They had a lot of fun with, uh, was it one Martin Del Potro's and Thor's Hammer mm. uh, on the social media graphics, which, which were great. I mean, they went viral. They did, you know, it's a new approach to tennis. They play mm. the night matches. Wimbledon 
Wimbledon this year had a curfew at 11pm, so they had to stop the semi-final in in full swing. They've also kind of missed the point that she was wearing it for medical reasons. It's a compression suit for blood clots, to prevent blood clots, which is why she was wearing it. Absolutely. Yeah, it it had its root. I mean, it it turned into a fashion statement, but it had its root Mm. in in a medical issue. So... uh, Maybe that's not the last we'll hear of the story. Maybe they will renege on that decision, but uh, I'm sure she's welcome to wear whatever she wants at the US Open. And interestingly enough for Serena and Venus Williams, her sister, they could meet for the earliest time ever in a Grand Slam if they're both able to win their first two matches. The third round, they are scheduled to meet. Usually they meet in finals, the Williams sisters, but that isn't the case given the fact their rankings have obviously slipped in the last 18 months or so. I think they're both seeded around the 15-16 mark. The top four seeds... In the women's draw, Simona Halep, she gets underway tomorrow. Uh, Caroline Wozniacki, the Australian Open champion, is the second seed. You've got Angelique Kerber to look out for in that bottom half of the draw as well. So it should be interesting, the women's tournament this time around. And of course, with the men's tournament, all eyes have got to be on on the, 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 the three big get the three big guns involved in uh, in this. Rafa Nadal, the number one seed. He plays David Ferrer in his first round match. Tough opening match for yeah. uh, for Nadal. They met in the final of the French Open a few years back. Ferrer is obviously not, a, not an easy opponent whatsoever in the first round. Novak Djokovic is my prediction. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> For victory in Why this do you one. keep leading yourself down this road? Yeah, I mean, I'm, not, I'm, not exactly, I'm, I'm not even sticking my neck out as well. He's the form player. He won in Cincinnati. And uh, I think he's going to carry that momentum into Flushing Meadows, where he's obviously won multiple times before. So That's we'll keep an eye gone. on that. Yeah, there we go. Robbie's predicted he's going to win. That's his chance blown. <laughs> anyway, before we let you go, Robbie, quick go the last word. Sure. The last word. Man tries to board train with... So, man tries to board train with what? Robbie Greenfield, what could it be? Camel. Okay. Camel, Emma Brain, what do you think it might be? Boa constrictor. Okay. If you have a better suggestion, uh, text us 4001. If you have the Dubai Eye app, you can message us for free. Robbie Greenfield, thank you very much. Thank you. There's just so much more to hear. Download our podcasts at DubaiEye1038.com.